This morning, I want to talk to you all about how to overcome the evil one. It's basically a spiritual warfare um, teaching, so to speak. Another area that I find that the church truly lacks today is their ability or their understanding of spiritual warfare. I think for the most part in the churches today, we have pretty much eliminated it. There is many that teach and even believe that we as Christians, that we simply once we confess that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior and we're baptized, that that pretty much is a done deal with our battle against Satan. There are people who have really truly underestimated Satan and his hordes of demons or his fallen angels. And this is a very foolish decision. It's a foolish choice to make. Although Satan himself is not one that we should be afraid of. However, we find that there are many people who are afraid of Satan, people who are in the church. Some of the reasons why people don't even talk about Satan or who he is or how he operates is because they're afraid he's going to come out behind a crack or a crevice somewhere and scare him to death. But others have literally watered down who Satan is. They brought him down to a mere snail, a mere imp with a pitchfork that goes around just making noise and you can easily just kick him away. Although Satan is not to be feared in that sense, as you trembling in your boots, but we should not underestimate the power of this supernatural being. And we should also understand that because Satan is a supernatural creature, we cannot defeat him in our natural abilities. And I find that none of this is taught, addressed, or even learned in the church today. And this is the reason why so many Christians are plagued in their homes, in their dreams, in their marriages, in their ministries, because they don't understand their battle in the spirit realm. So we're going to go through a spiritual warfare teaching and we're going to learn tonight or this morning, I should say, how to overcome the evil one. There are several scriptures we're going to go over this morning. So as always, make sure you have your pens and your papers available. I'll be reading to you out of the New King James Version of the Bible. And we're going to go over multiple scriptures today. The first scripture I would like to open up with is one of my favorites, Psalm 91. I'm going to start at verse 3 through 7. And again, I'm reading in the King James, New King James Version. Before I start, Father, we just give you honor and thanks this day. And we ask, Lord, that every word that is spoken, let it not return void. Let it not be spoken in vain. Let it not be I that is speaking, but your Holy Spirit speaking through me. And let these words penetrate every heart and mind and soul listening 
this morning that they will be able to receive what it is that you have for them, but also too, that they'll be able to retain it so that it will manifest in their lives. We thank you for meeting us here today. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Psalm 91, starting at verse three, reads, Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisy pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. For his truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor the destruction that lies waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but none shall come near you. Psalm 91 is called the covenant of protection. And again, that's verses three through seven, but you are more than welcome to read the entire chapter. It is a promise from God, a promise of protection, but it opens up, of course, in verse one with a disclosure, as I like to say. And that disclosure is that he who dwells in the secret place of the most high. So dwelling with the Lord is when you get the promise of protection. Another scripture I want to bring to your attention this morning is Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. Revelation 12, 10 and 11. And that reads, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. So here it is towards the end. This is the saints that are in heaven. But I like that it mentions that the saints overcame the devil, Satan, who has now at this point been cast down by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So these are two scriptures that I like to open up with because it is victorious they're scriptures of victory but where do we start with spiritual warfare i think for the most part most people don't even understand the supernatural realm one of the things that i've said many times throughout the years of ministry that is i've always tend to see the same glass look in people's eyes when i say that satan and God do not live on the same, do not, or live on the same dimension. They don't live on different dimensions. And people say, what do you mean? Satan is in darkness. God is in the light. God is in heaven. This is true. But that is not a different dimension. They live on a supernatural realm, both. 
and it is the same dimension. One is in light and the other is in darkness. But you have to remember that God created, created who we know today as Satan or Hasatan, as they say in Hebrew. He created him. And so, therefore, they live on the same dimension, supernatural dimension. The unseen world is another term for it. And so, Satan, who we know now is lives in total darkness and deceit and lies and fear and rebellion, everything that is the opposite of what the living God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit stand for. However, he is still an immortal entity. And Satan is not omnipresent like God is. God is the only one who has the ability to be omnipresent, meaning that he can be in more than one place at a time or all places at one time. He is the only person who can do this. No one else has this ability, just God himself. And when I say God, I mean the all three, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. But angels cannot be in more than one place at one time. And spirits cannot be in more than one place at one time. And neither can Satan nor his demons. These entities are creation. They are not creators. So when people are always saying the devil made me do it, the devil made me do it, I tend to laugh because the devil is not omnipresent. If he's visiting someone else down the street, he's definitely not visiting you in China. He can't, he doesn't have the ability to do such. Can Satan visit an individual? The answer is yes, but most of the time he is not going to visit you unless one or two things. Number one, you are really high ranked in the demonic, being black magic or Satanism, some type of head warlock or so that is summoning Satan. And then, yes, he can pay you a visit if you're working for him. But the other, war, other part on the other side of the fence in the light are typically people who have really treaded upon his territory and done some major damage to his kingdom. In other words, someone who is a big threat to, to Satan's kingdom, Satan will pay a visit to. And it's not to have tea and biscuits. It is typically to threaten and to intimidate and to instill fear. When it comes to the rest of his workers, well, the millions, if not billions, I'm not really sure, of fallen angels and demons well then those are typically the ones that go around tormenting mankind and we're going to talk about some of those entities tonight because a lot of people don't even understand that there are ranks in heaven as much as there are ranks in hell and we're not going to talk about the ranks in heaven tonight that's another teaching even though there are ranks in heavens there are different types of 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 spirit beings there are different types of angels but also too in hell there are also different types of ranks and one of our famous scriptures that we're about to go over tonight gives us that breakdown well we're going to go over that breakdown tonight so at least you understand what you are up against because again this is not being taught in the churches and therefore we 
cannot become overcomers if we don't know what we're coming up against. So our famous scripture that is going to be the base of this teaching this morning, I think I keep saying tonight and I mean this morning, is Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10 through 18. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Finally, my brethren, of course, this is Paul the Apostle writing this. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might for the whole armor of put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole arm of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. Standing, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Very common scripture, right? We all, a lot of us know that scripture. Many people have have even quoted it. There are plenty of folks that even teach it, I would say. We're going to break this down. We're going to go into depth. Of, of who we are up against, what we are up against, and how we are able to overcome. So there are five levels in Satan's army, five levels, five powers, whichever one. First of all, we must understand that Satan, again, is not a creator, but a creation. Which means that everything that we see manifested in what we consider to be the dark realm, okay, is not something that Satan has created. What he has done is he has merely borrowed that which already exists that was created by God and has desecrated it. I want that to really sink into you this morning because I find to be a very common thing in the churches that we, again, so fear the darkness that we don't talk about it. I've often asked myself, the Lord, and even others, I know the answer, but it's such a topic of discussion. Why is it that the dark realm seems to have more power than those who profess to live in the light. When we look at stories or we hear stories or even read about things of the darkness, when we talk about people who are in witchcraft or voodoo or hoodoo or santeria, and when we talk about 
witches and warlocks and seances and coves and covens. We talk about how these people can cast spells and hexes and vexes. Um, we talk about people um, levitating and um, teleporting out of their bodies, having out-of-body experiences, going into other people's homes, being able to listen in on conversations. I mean, all kinds of things of astro projecting, um, shape shifting into animals and creatures of the night. Just very, very horrific things. And I know I'm looking at you all and you all are thinking, oh my gosh, why is she talking about this? See, even just me mentioning these things stirs up that fear, right? But, but what we don't understand is that these things that we see and hear about manifested are not things that Satan has created. It are things that have already existed that Satan merely defiled and used for darkness. Why is it that the dark realm seems to have more power than those who profess to live in the light. When the light is obviously more powerful than the darkness. Again, it's, it's, it's a question that you should ask within yourself. We are not being taught spiritual warfare. We're not understanding the spirit realm nor are we operating in the power and the authority that Christ has already given us another scripture that I love to to quote Jesus said he has given us the power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and he has given us the authority over all the powers of the evil one. He didn't say some or most. He said all. All. I'll tell you a quick story and then we'll dive into this. I have a beautician and and she is a, 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 a powerful woman of God. I love her very dearly. And she's quick to speak. She's, she'll, she has no regards in the sense of when it comes to talking about Christ she's not afraid and she doesn't deny the Lord by any means in front of men at all but there were some things that happened to I me mean, she got attacked which is obvious okay and and it, this attack was very very heavy it was a demonic presence that had been assigned to her home and one day I had gone to see her and she said, Mina, I really need you to just pray for me. And I mean, this woman has prayed for me in the past. Okay. And so we've prayed for each other. And I said, what's going on? And she begins to elaborate on this, this situation that she was facing in her home. And she's like, I know it's an assignment. I know it's Satan and all kinds of bizarre things was happening to her home. And I mean, just, and not just in her home, things were happening to her vehicle. Things were, the kids were seeing things. She was seeing things. I mean, it was a demonic presence that was there to harass and torment her. And what she said to me was that she had went to her pastor and she had told her pastor about it. And she said, I, I need prayer because, you know, she understood that there was power in numbers. And she said her pastor prayed for her. 
Well, when the pastor prayed for her in regards to it, well, then later on that evening, he got attacked. And he made it known to her the day after that of what his encounter was. Well, that encounter shook her pastor to the point where later on, um, there was a guest speaker another week that came into the church and she went up to him and asked him for prayer. Same thing, because this was about a three week occurrence. These things were going on and manifesting around and about her for about three weeks. And when she went to the guest speaker for the same type of prayer, because this thing had not broken over her household, the pastor scolded her. He scolded her for going to the man. He was he was moved out of fear and he was afraid that something was going to happen to that pastor. And she was like, I, I this thing attacked him. And so I said to her, I said, well, we're going to pray today. We're all going to shut this shop down and we're going to pray. And we did. We shut the shop down, down afterwards. And I began to rebuke Satan, bind and take authority and, and take um, authority over everything that had been sent her way, assigned to her, assigned to the household, assigned to the business, assigned to her husband and her kids. And I mean, the power of God swept through that place and the shackles fell off and the assignment was broken. I'll tell you another story. Several years ago, in the summer of 2014, I was invited to an international conference by a friend of mine, a lady that I had befriended. And it was a conference um, in Maryland, the state of Maryland. And at the time, I was staying in that area. And I was invited because the woman who invited me was the cook. And she needed a ride, and I was more than glad to take her. And so we went there, and it was, she had told her pastor about me. Her pastor was from a country in Africa, and he was very eager to meet me. And there were about a total of a half a dozen ministers there. Two of them were prophets. And I sat there throughout this service in the back quietly, watching the service, there was an intermission, there was food served, and then there was a second half of the service that was preceded. During the second half of the service, there was a woman who began to manifest demonically up in the front of the church, and they were in praise and worship. And so someone took her and led her back to sit behind where I was sitting. And I can't go, I'm not going to go into all the details because it's kind of a lengthy story. But they set this possessed woman behind me and left her there. Ended the service and people started leaving. And this woman is standing behind me, growling, eyes rolling in the back of her head. I mean, it was crazy. And I'm sitting there for 45 minutes praying in the spirit, praying, covering myself, covering the children that were sitting in the back asleep and even playing. And asking the Lord, what in the world had he just led me into? When the service was over, I noticed that people were just leaving. And so I was like, wait, no, they can't leave this lady. Someone needs to pray for her. 
I went and proceeded by looking for people to try to say, excuse me, excuse me, she needs prayer. Can someone please come and pray for her? At which one of the pastors snatched his hand from me and said, no, 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 no. That demon in her is too strong. And I was floored. I said, what do you mean? We can't cast that spirit out. I says, what are you talking about? Jesus gave us the authority to cast these spirits out. He said, no, 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 no. And then a gentleman that I guess had accompanied her to this place came and got her. And I grabbed his hand too. And I said, sir, please, someone has to pray for her. He says, no. He says, she's had this spirit for years. And I was, I was shocked, saints. I was so shocked. There was approximately roughly about 250 people at this facility. So the woman was led outside to where the medium was across the street. And there was a, there was a parking lot, but there was this circular driveway that was leading up to the facility, the venue. And in the center was a circle median full of grass and apparently she was let out there I didn't see her get let out there because I came out later only to find her rolling around in the grass like a snake foaming at the mouth and her eyes rolled in the back of her head and there are approximately about 50 people out there just watching at this point I ran across the street or ran to the medium and I began binding Satan and rebuking Satan over her life. And then all of a sudden when I did that, about three other pastors came running over to me to where I was at. And they began praying as well. Now, I want you to know that this, this conference was predominantly in French. They were people who spoke French. Very few spoke English. And so when they began praying for this woman... And rebuking the devil or praying in the name of Jesus, they were praying in French. Now, I know a little bit of French. I took it my sophomore year of high school. So I know that they were fervently praying for this woman. But I'm praying in English and I'm rebuking Satan and demons and principalities and witchcraft and all of this. And this woman turns and looks at me. She turns over, and it really wasn't her, it was that demon in her. Turns and looks straight at me, and I'm, again, I'm there with four other men, pastors. And then the demon looked straight at me through this woman and said, How dare you challenge me? Who do you think you are? You are nothing but a child. In perfect English. At this point, it wasn't too long after that, that the three pastors scattered. It frightened him. Left me there, the woman, okay, <laughs> at this median with this woman still rolling around on the ground like a snake. The rest of the people that decided to stay, which was still approximately about 50 people, everyone else pretty much had gone home, stayed across the street away from me. And I began going into battle on behalf of this young woman. At one point, a woman walks across the street and she grabs my hand and she says to me in the middle of me rebuking Satan, why don't you just leave her alone? And I snatched my hand from her and I said, don't you touch me. 
and she left. And this went on, saints, for approximately one hour. I couldn't get this demon to bend. I even asked it to tell me his name. And he said to me again in perfect English, I will not give you my name. And after 45 minutes into this, this prayer, I began to feel the physical wear and tear draining upon my body. I'm down in the grass with this woman. My knees are beginning to buckle and beginning to tremble. I felt it. And I even heard a voice clearly in my ear say, Mina, give up. And my body wanted to give up. But then I, my spirit man rose up in me and I said, Lord, if I stop now, it'll be as if you have lost. It'll be as if this demon is more powerful than your name and the blood of the lamb. And I know that this is not true. And so I persevered in. Fifteen more minutes went by and finally the demon gave in. And he gave in after I began to tell the story of how Christ had came to earth and how he had died on the cross for this woman's sins. And that when he said it was finished, how he took on every curse and every spirit and every sickness and every plague and every disease and every generational curse and every captivity and bondage and chain and I was going down the list and this demon began to scream he was screaming for me to shut up and I wouldn't shut up and I said and when he died he died for her and when he said it was finished he said it was finished for her and he was screaming with all his might but he gave up after that and he came out of her and the spirit left and she was set free. And her eyes came back in and she looked at me and I held out my hand and helped her off the ground. And when she got up off the ground, the people across the street, they broke out in a wail all simultaneously. And I held this woman in my arms and she cried and she cried and she thanked me. And she said she was from the New Jersey area. And she said she had been fasting seven days and that she has specifically come to that conference to get delivered. Now I want you to hear me on that. She had come to that conference and had fasted seven days with hopes and anticipation that when she got there, someone would help set her free. Now, I can say that easily that God knew, knew what her desire was and he sent someone there to help her. But I just want to hypothetically put out there, what if I or someone else had not shown up? And to know that she'd come and, and, and trust and believe that I'm sure that her anticipation was that one of these half a dozen or so ministers that was there would have prayed for her. Only to find out that all half a dozen ministers left and went home. And this is my point. And it's because, and I didn't tell her, but, you know, they said to me, oh, this demon is too strong. We can't cast it out. And neither should you. This is what, and, and this is what's going on in the churches today, saints. 
And this is why so many people are still held captive by sin, by generational curses, by witchcraft, by demonic assignments. Because people are not being taught how to be set free, not even emphasize that Christ has given us the ability to overcome these things or even how to. And it's more than just saying the blood of Jesus. It's more than just saying, well, Satan, I bind you. It's more than just saying, oh, you know, and try to scoot him away and say, well, oh, you know, get ye underfoot and you have no authority over it. It's deeper than that. And when I'm saying this, I'm saying this because once again, this is this is an example of how we have underestimated Satan. And we'd rather pretend that he doesn't exist in a sense because then we don't have to deal with him. And, and really, the reason why we pretend that it doesn't exist in a sense is because we're afraid. We're afraid. OK. So let's talk about some things. So. Let's go through a breakdown of Ephesians chapter uh, chapter 10, uh, starting at verse 6, or excuse me, at verse um, 12, when he gives this breakdown. So there are five levels or powers in Satan's army, and I'm just going to go over them real quick. Number one, I want to talk about demons real quick. So what are demons? Because the word demon is actually not mentioned in verse 12. But demons, which we find the word demon in the Bible or evil, or excuse me, evil spirit. Demons, people think, are fallen angels or that fallen angels are also demons. This is not true. Demons are actually disembodied spirits. They are disembodied spirits that roam the earth. Demons cannot travel off the earth. They walk the earth and underneath the earth. They patrol hell. They travel in and out of hell. Hell being the center of the earth, not the lake of fire, but hell itself, which is in the center of the earth. There are millions, if not billions of demons. I have no idea how many there are, but there's countless numbers of them. And they have their own ranks and they have their own titles, but they are the lower class, the lower of the lowest class coming in all shapes and sizes and demonic forms, even as imps and demons purposes are to torment men. They are their purpose is to torment mankind. Jesus talks about this in Matthew when he talks about the spirit being cast out into the dry place. Why the dry place? Well, because in the wilderness, there wasn't a lot of people. People weren't meant to live in the wilderness or the desert. And again, I said to you, they are disembodied spirits. So they are constantly seeking a host. They like to possess bodies. And Jesus warns about how if a demon is cast out, how he'll go into the dry place. But after a while, he will return to see if the place where he has been cast out has been uh, filled. 
and he'll find that the place has been cleansed, but it's not filled. And so then he goes and gets seven more spirits wicked or more wicked than himself. And then he comes in and Jesus says, and that person is worse off than though if they began with. That's a very big clue too, that when we cast out demons, we should always fill that void. Fill that void with the spirit of the Lord. Fill that void with the fruit of the spirit. And we have to speak it. We have to speak it in to that person that we are praying for, even ourselves. But also the person who has experienced that deliverance should also make sure that they are not are no longer entertaining anything that have that any type of door that had originally opened for that demon to come in. And so that that place where that demonic spirit resided is now occupied with something else. For instance, if you're, a spirit has been cast out of you, that's in regards to uh, pornography, which that's unfortunately a very common thing, especially in the Western culture today. There are many Christians who struggle with pornography. And so the door that's open to that is, is, is sometimes, not all the time, the first door was looking at porn, which that's not always the case. There are other things that are perverse that could lead you also to, to the addiction of pornography. But pornography itself is not a spirit. There's not a spirit or a demon that's called pornography in that sense. It's, it's under a larger blanket of things. So once that spirit of the perverse spirit that has led to pornography is cast out of that person, they need to make sure that they are maintaining that, uh, that place, that that new, that void that that demon took up, whatever that time was consumed, is now occupied with something that is completely opposite of that. Like, for instance, reading your Bible, meditating on the word, and making sure that you're not entertaining anything that could lead to that spirit coming back seven times stronger. So that means watching what you listen to, watching what your you allow your eyes to to observe, watching the things that you surround yourself with. It's not just looking at the pornography. It could be, you know, watching what you see on social media, watching again the music that you listen to, the commercials, the types of movies, those types of things. So it has to you have to stay occupied with that which is holy and pure and of true light before God. So that if that, that entity comes back and pays you a visit, which it will, it'll check to see if you're on the right path. It will check to see if you left the door unlocked, so to speak. And if it sees that you're just kind of, you know, horsing around or taking the situation lightly, it will come back in full force. Demons, again, are disembodied spirits seeking host, and they are earthbound. A second level of power and, and Satan's army are principalities. Now we're getting into uh, 
to chapter 6 of in verse 12 of Ephesians. Principalities are basically chief rulers. A principality is a is a is a um it's a fallen angel, it's not a demon that rules over a large territory. A principality is a chief ruler. That's a, they're two of the same entity. And we find a clear depiction of that in Daniel chapter 10. The story of Daniel when he received that vision from the Lord that we find in chapter 9. Well, in chapter 10, he's looking for revelation and he sits and fasts for 21 days to get revelation and understanding of what God has shown him. Of course, later on the 21st day, a messenger of the Lord comes to him with the answer, with the depiction or the revelation of what he had seen. And the angel, the messenger says to him that God had answered him on the first day, but that for 20 days, he had been battling with the chief ruler or the prince that was over Persia. That was a principality. And this principality was so strong that he had to go and get Michael to come and, and defend him, defend the messenger. This is an angel we're talking about here. He had to go get another angel from the, from the warring sector to come and do battle on his behalf so that he could get to Daniel and give him his answer. And I've said this before, if this is the type of spiritual warfare and battle that was going in approximately 450 BC, what do you think we're dealing with today in the 21st century? See, that's something to really absorb because he sat there for 21 days because he said, I'm not moving until I get an answer. How many of you all would do that? How many of you all would just be like, after the first day, well, I guess God's answer is no. Or by the third day, well, I guess he ain't talking to me no more. Or maybe by the fourth day, well, I guess God might, I guess he mad at me, right? How many of you would have set those 21 days without thinking that God had abandoned you? See, and I always said, what if, what if Daniel had left? What if he didn't sit those extra 20 days? Would he have gotten his answer? perseverance you understand what I'm saying and and again this is something that is not being taught enough in the churches and this is why so many prayers are going on unanswered yes your prayers can be hindered saints these principalities and chief rulers that dwell in what is called the second Shemayan or the second heaven they're there to block prayers they try to block prayers going up and they try to block the prayers coming or the answers and the blessings coming down there is a constant war in the heavens we even uh, see that again also too depicted in in revelation chapter 12 there was a war in heaven it opens up john talks about the vision that he sees with the dragon that is a constant um battle that goes on satan again is the accuser of brethren and as we saw uh or we read earlier in revelation chapter 10 or 12 verses 10 and 11 it talks about how 
that that he was cast out, the one who accuses the saints day and night. Day and night. So, and I mean, a lot of you know the story of, of Job, right? The righteous man, Job. You saw what he went through. You saw exactly what he went through, right? And Job was cursing the day that he was born. He didn't even understand what was going on. He even challenged God. God challenges him back. He had no idea the battle that was over him in the spirit. So principalities and chief rulers, same thing. They are fallen angels working for Satan that are that travel in the heavenlies. Okay? They they can even be responsible for bad weather. Um, for storms and tempests on the sea and on land. Also, chief rulers and principalities also mark their territories over certain cities, providences, regions like we read and like we see in Daniel chapter 10. It was the principality that was over Persia. Trust and believe we have plenty of principalities over the United States. In fact, one year um, that I came back, in fact, the first time, not even one year, the first time I came back from my mission trip in the Dominican Republic, I encountered a principality that was over America. People talk about leaving the country and going into territories and battling principalities. I battle them coming back into this country. I have a good friend of mine that told me a story about how when she was in Nepal, and Nepal is up north of Pakistan and in India, up in the Himalayas. And she talked about how this principality walked through her wall in her hotel room, asking her, how did she get past his guards? It was a really powerful encounter she had. But I encountered a principality a couple years ago coming back from the Dominican Republic. And he told me that he was the chief ruler over sex, pride, what was it? It was perversion, pride, and gluttony. And that he was the principality over in this country. And he was, he was massive. I also encountered later on um, this a, a large, large entity that was sitting on this platform and kind of like this Buddha style. And when I asked him, who was he? This was your, this had nothing to do with me returning from the Dominican Republic. This was another instance that I had. He told me he was Kundalini. He was the false fire. And he was telling me that, and, and the counter that he was, he was trying to convince me that he was just like the Holy Spirit. And I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> I shut him down. So principalities and chief rulers rule over providences, over nations, countries, territories, cities. If you find that a certain city has a certain issue, like Chicago, being the murder capital, which I'm from Chicago, that is a principality, a chief ruler of murder that is over that particular territory. Principalities and chief rulers are very strong. However, 
They're not stronger than the blood of Jesus, the power of Christ, if people would come together and pray. But again, we don't because we're afraid. We're really afraid. We don't want to be bothered because we're afraid. And we rather think of the devil as just a mere small nuisance that we could kick away than understanding who he really is and how he operates. And it's in the end, he ends up ruling us. We think, well, if the I remember a man said to me one time, and he was a bishop, and it blew my mind away. He says, listen, I don't bother the devil, and the devil don't bother me. And I thought to myself, well, whose side are you on, brother? Whose side are you on? Because my mother used to say, listen, if the devil ain't messing with you, you need to check to see which side of the railroad tracks you're on. Because he's not going to come against himself. Moving on, three, powers. Let's talk about powers. So the powers that Paul is referencing to here are authorities that are under the chief rulers or and or the principalities that that execute their will. So so these principalities and chief rulers, they've got these wicked powers that that work up underneath them to execute what they tell. So like we talked about, I'll, I'll use Chicago. I'm sorry for picking on Chi-Town, but I mean, Chicago has a murder issue. And it's not the entire city, but because you only hear about it as a whole, people think that no one can travel into Chicago because without getting shot up, and this, this is not the case. However, it is predominantly concentrated to the deep south side of Chicago. Trust and believe that is a principality that's over that area. But that principality and or chief ruler is talking to the powers, the lesser powers, okay, these 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 wicked powers, okay, and the, that are also entities to begin executing what they are commanding them to do. So these powers look for willing vessels. The fourth level is the rulers of darkness. Okay? The rulers of darkness. These are men or women, okay? Because now we, it's neither... Listen, Satan has no respect of persons either. So when I say men, I mean mankind. Men or women who are under demonic control. Okay, so they they are not living in the light. They are willing vessels for these powers, these entities who are wicked powers, to go in and say or to manipulate or create a situation that is going to help them to execute the, the crime or the sin. And, and like I said, using Chicago. So with this chief ruler of murder being set over this area in Chicago, commanding these powers to go and find vessels, willing vessels to execute their plans being murder following me with this and then five the wicked spirits okay wickedness in heavenly places is wicked spirits which also too 
are fallen angels or wicked angels. So there's five, five areas, okay? Five areas of the demonic, which again, we find um, Paul also addressing them when he says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So understanding that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood means what? It means that you cannot overcome that which is supernatural with the natural. You have to see what it is in the spirit. One of the things that I said for years, especially in the beginning of ministry, I said it more often. And, and now in my latter years of ministry, I still, I still find myself saying it, but not as often. I used to tell people who would come um, that would sit up under me because uh, earlier in my earlier years, I used to do one on one mentoring and people would come and sit up under me, you know, three months, six months, what have you, a year even. And I would tell them, I'm going to teach you to see things for what they are and not how they make you feel. See, the problem is we don't see things for what they are. We base it off of our thoughts and our feelings. And that's what gets us in trouble. We have to understand that Satan comes in the appearance of, and I put dot, 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 appearance of. The appearance, meaning that it's not the real thing, but it appears to be something. His whole goal is to get you to react. If you react in your flesh, if you which which is also your emotions, then he's got you. If you can't see him for what he really is, because he's coming in the appearance of the appearance of your mother-in-law, the appearance of your ex, the appearance of the Ku Klux Klan or some racist skinhead or or the appearance of, um, you know, a murderer or a rapist, the appearance of of what have you, a dog, a, a raging wolf or something to the sort, and I'm not messing with dogs, but, but you get my drift on this. But can you see it for what it really is and look beyond the person? And this is something that, that I teach a lot. I'm like, don't look at that person because your battle is not against your mother-in-law. Your battle is not against your ex. They are merely vessels who allowed themselves to allow Satan's assignment to be executed through them. But the goal is to tear you down. It is Satan's goal. It is not that individual's goal. This is why Jesus hung on that cross and was able to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do because they were driven. They were driven. So if you can close your physical eyes in the sense and open your spiritual eyes to what is in front of you, you will be able to fight and win. Other than that, you're shadow boxing. You are merely shadow boxing. And that's not so, and you're not going to accomplish anything and you're not going to overcome. But that's how Satan does with it. He deals with us in the appearance of he's there to rattle and shake our flesh so that we eat, so that we react in our flesh, whether it's to flee and, and, and run or fight in our flesh, come against that person. 
So we need to understand how it is we our battle is not against flesh and blood. So we have to we have to put on our armor, as Paul said, put on that armor, which we're gonna go over. Because each piece of armor represents the word of God. And that's something else that we are not in consistently. We are not in our word enough, saints. And the the word of God, as the scripture says, is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. What is more powerful is understanding that not just what the word of God is, but who it is. John chapter 1 tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? And and, and then you go down and you skip down a few verses, and he says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? Who is he introducing? He's introducing Jesus Christ, Yeshua, Hamashiach. So in the beginning, the person we know as Yeshua or Jesus was the word. And in the beginning, God said, and it manifested. Later, when Jesus is in the desert with Satan and Satan is tempting him, he says, you know, if you're truly the son of God, take these stones and turn them into bread. Remember that? And what's Jesus' response? He says, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, right? But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know what he was saying? He was saying that man is not going to live by or no longer be led by their flesh, right? Putting some food in their mouth, which is what the first sin that committed that Adam did, Adam and Eve, is the loss of flesh. They put food in their mouth. He says man is no longer going to be led by his or her flesh. But now they're going to be led by me. That's what he was saying. Because by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God, well, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. So understanding that that Christ is also the manifestation of the word of God, how can we not get into it? How can we not understand it and allow, and, and on top of that, the word of God is alive, right? So it is ever evolving and manifesting light and life in us and through us, penetrating the darkness. Something we need to understand and walk in. This is Mina Lee Jones with Faithful Walk Healing Ministries, and I would like to personally thank you for supporting our ministry and for sharing these audio teachings. My prayer is that these podcasts will challenge your heart, mind, and soul, and encourage you to study the Word of God and to seek a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. Our website is www.faithfulwalkhealingministries.com where you can find more information about our ministry, upcoming conferences, and links to our social media accounts. I would also like to invite you to join our interactive online Bible study that takes place every Thursday night starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can join us by calling 712 
770-4852. And the access code is 607-594. I look forward to hearing from you soon. God bless you and shalom.